0: Support for Habs Unfiltered is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-belt grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Big news! Manscaped just launched in Canada. For those listeners in Canada, you can be one of the first Canadians to experience their life-changing products. Myself, Treg, and Matt have all had trimming accidents. It happens. Every man has. There's nothing to be ashamed of that's why manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer the manscaped engineering team perfected the greatest ball hair trimmer ever created and have their new and improved lawnmower 3.0 their third generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce manscaping accidents when i tell you this is premium i mean premium the battery will last up to 90 minutes so you can take a longer shave the water resistant technology allows you to groom in the shower. One of the coolest features is the LED light, which illuminates grooming areas for closer and more precise trimming. They've also upgraded to a 7000 rpm motor with quiet stroke technology. And let's not forget about the charging stand. Show your mower off loud and proud because this intelligently designed stand is a convenient charging dock powered by USB. If you're listening to me speak right now, I want you to experience it firsthand for yourself. Trim that junk yours. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code unfiltered20 at manscaped.com. Your balls will thank you. And welcome to episode 131 of Habs Unfiltered. I am your host, Blaine Putvey, and I am joined now by my co host, Trey Wilson. Hello. And Matt, the Air Force beautiful man, Smith. Good afternoon. We got we got to get that that plug out there, uh, just for our listeners' sake. If you want to see more of Matt, go to the Haves Unfiltered OnlyFans page. Seriously, it it exists. It actually does. Yes, it. No, it totally does. Feel free to Google it. It's there. It's a picture of Matt. So uh, we got a busy week ahead of us. We're going to do this show today. We're recording today. It's Wednesday about 4.30 Atlantic time. Uh, The Canadians played Edmonton last night. Uh, Later this week, we're going to have another episode. We're going to have Lyle Richardson come in and talk about the trade deadline. Uh, So, you know, looking forward to that. Today's episode, we are going to talk about a few things around the league. Uh, the Edmonton game itself, the Connor McDavid cheap shot, and the harshest penalty to ever be awarded—an Edmonton Oiler. Uh, some and rumors and a few odds and ends. So we'll just uh, we'll just kick it off. No one cares about our weeks. We're all hunky dory. Oh, and before we start, I'd like to send out a happy It's Your Back Pay Day to all Canadian Forces members who just received their back pay today. Don't spend it all in one place. Don't let your spouses know about it so you can spend it yourself. That's a tip from an old, 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 old Forces member. Anyhow, moving right along, we're going to get started with some news around the league. So Matt, why don't you kick us off with the first piece?
1: Um, I'll, I'll, think I'll start with Aaron Eckblad. Um, no, playing, playing Dallas the other day. He, uh, he went down and he went down hard and uh, he's looking like a leg fractured. He's going to miss 12 weeks. And uh, this was, uh, this was a bad injury for him and a bad injury for the Panthers, even though they're still winning games without him. Um he was having a very good season, 11 goals, 11 assists and 35 games. And uh, he was really leading the team and he was kind of having a resurgence from, uh, from, from years past. He's still a young guy. um, Just hoping for the best that um, there isn't any other damage. There doesn't seem to be right now. And that it looks like it's a, it's a fracture and he will be back next season, but it could have been a hell of a lot worse than what it was.
0: Yeah. I watched, uh, I watched the replays of that, that play. And it was gruesome. I've had some serious leg injuries and I know, I know that face when you have like a no duff, no doubt, horrible leg injury. And he just, and you can hear him scream. Like you knew he was done. Like as soon as it happened, I I just felt terrible for the guy. He's been playing a great season so far. He's been leading the Panthers, a resurgent Panthers, and then he, and then this happens and that's it for his season there he is done so it, it's a shame to see that happen especially in if you're if you're from canada and you're thinking f- further ahead to the olympics in 2022 this could have an impact on that as well so it, it's something something you have to worry about especially for him because he was in the he was front runner for uh, top pairing defenseman for canada
1: He was, you know, he was, he's doing all the right things and, um, you know, he's a, he's a big body. He can move. He can, he can shoot the puck.
0: Got pucks in deep, gave a hundred percent.
1: Right. All the, all those, all those same answers. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, he's, uh, you know, I was, I was at least looking at him for uh, for uh, for the Olympic team. I don't know if he would have actually made it, but this, this could definitely have an impact on it.
0: Trey, any thoughts on it?
2: I guess the silver lining there is it's a fractured leg and not like uh tower ligaments or anything like that, which could probably take longer to rehab to bring back um, at least with a fractured leg, you heal the bone and then it's basically just getting your leg back to where it was before. Whereas the ligaments are a lot different. Um, Blaine, you would know, I would know we all had ligament damage to our legs. Unlike the air force, we actually move our legs. So um, he, he probably still has all his original ligaments too. I would assume he does. Lucky bastard.
0: <laughs> it's also like
2: 15 years younger than us. But anyway, yeah. <laughs> uh, no, it's it's a it's a terrible injury for Florida. You're right, Florida. You know they had a good team going there, and I, is he going to be the difference maker? I don't know, but uh, hopefully, uh, speedy recover him, and uh, next season he comes back strong.
0: Well, and staying with Florida today, uh, it was announced that they s- just signed Spencer Knight, their uh, first-round pick from last season. Uh, so he is <clears throat> he has gone pro. He is part of their future, uh, which means Rofsky is probably going to be gone in the next couple of years somehow, some way. Um, so there's big, that. It's a
1: big contract.
0: Yeah, it is. Uh, which which, which always
1: which always surprised me. Like we we knew that they were looking for a goalie, but the year they went out and they got Spencer Knight with 13th overall pick a week later, they signed Bobrovsky to this huge deal
0: long-term deal.
1: So, so we'll see. And we're going to see other bringing up Knight, Uh, obviously Caulfield just signed Matthew Boldy just signed. And it's, you know, we're ticking the boxes. Now of the guys that are playing in the, in the States that are going to be signing their entry level deals.
0: All NCAA players who signed with the teams that drafted them. Uh, just to point it out,
2: I read on Twitter today too that Toronto's looking at trading for Dryder. So okay, that could be the room.
0: For those Can who they... don't know, he is the backup in Florida who's been yeah. excellent, Had a this very year. good year. He's yeah. actually yeah. playing
2: better than Bobrovsky is. So. Yeah, his, that's a uh, rumor. I'm not sure that's going to happen, but
0: his career average is about nine thirty a save percentage and this year he's slightly below that at 927 so it is time to get rid of him because he's sliding yeah
2: absolutely well that 930 is on limited game basis so it's not Uh -uh,
0: doesn't matter don't be narrow-minded true. true.
1: well well, sticking sticking with goaltending um there uh pierre LeBron said the other day that um jonathan bernier might be uh might be getting traded and that uh, philadelphia might be looking at him as uh, the Flyers have really been struggling uh, behind the or, uh,
0: between the pipes,
1: to hurt, uh,
2: hurt is the next carry Price. I don't understand. Like just ignore. Well, he's,
0: he's having some problems right now. There's there's issues. His game's up and down. He is a young goaltender. He's having some issues, and it, I mean you can't really blame him. It, you have to expect this exactly. And sticking with Philadelphia, uh, got this bear cleared waivers. And part part of the rumor, uh, according to Sam uh, Karachi from Philadelphia at the at the Athletic, um, he notes that uh, Barrow was very vocal in his defense of Carter Hart, uh, especially with management and openly in uh, the last few uh, interviews he's done, and that may have been the deciding factor in waiving him and deciding he's his time in Philly is done. So it's pretty sad when you know the reason why you're not wanted on a team anymore is because you're too good of a team fucking player defending your own teammate. So not sure what's going on there, but
2: his contract contract's going to kill any deal with that.
0: Yeah. You got to take on, you got to take it's money in, money out with him. Yeah. Yeah. It's a money in, money out thing with him. Um, and in news out of St. Louis, um, some sad news. Uh, Mr. Blue himself, Bobby Plager passed away this week. So uh, that's, that's some sad news for St. Louis blues fans. Um, I've got a soft spot for St. Louis. Uh, I know quite a few people down there. Uh, I've got friends down there and I like watch. I like the blues. They're, they're a fun team and you can tell small market team with just a tight knit community. So When someone as important to a franchise like Bobby Plager passes away, it impacts the entire fan base. Just like we saw in Montreal, when you lose, you know, an Adi Richard or a Jean Bedivaux, it's the same thing for them.
2: Yeah, it's a, unfortunately, it was a car accident. And, uh, yeah, I can remember watching them play back in the 80s. And yeah, it's, it's always sad when, uh, Someone goes.
0: Uh, any other around the league news, Matt?
1: Uh, we'll may as well jump into. Uh, I got two more. I got two more. they will be quick. Um, Buffalo Sabers. They Sock. just can. They just continue to be a story around the league this year of how bad they are, and it's uh it's it's, it's getting kind of ridiculous. Like they had a three nothing lead the other night. Going into the third period, it looked like they were going to come out on top. They blew the lead, lost in overtime, now 18 games in a row that they've lost, and they're playing the Flyers again tonight as we record. Um, this is a team that's got a lot of big contracts, and those players are not playing up to those contracts. You've got a, you know, a guy like Jeff Skinner who's got three goals, making nine mil a year. You've got, um, You've got Taylor Hall, who's... Among the leaders on the team, but only two goals this year. He's making eight million bucks. Uh is making, I think, over six million bucks, and he's got seven points. It's it's something. Something needs to be done, and and some of these contracts can be moved because on another team they might be able to actually do something. But right now, um, I think someone like Skinner i don't think he would do very well on any other team it just looks like he's a broken player right now and it's uh it's 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 frustrating for me because you see skinner and he was such a good goal scorer and he had all the concussions and we're like is he gonna be is he still gonna be himself and he was
0: so basically you wasted a fantasy pick on him this year didn't you
1: i didn't do any fantasy this year um but um but, you know, for me, he signed the big contract and they disappeared.
0: No, not a surprise. And, right. and you look at Detroit and Ottawa who are sitting there going, okay, we're rebuilding. We're going to have super high picks this year. They're, re, they're rejigging the uh, the NH, uh, the NHL entry draft. We're going to get a top three pick. And then you look over at Buffalo, you're like, ah, crap. Yeah. What else do we have to do? The, these this, this team is just taking everything away from us.
1: That's right. And the thing is, like, uh, it, it, it doesn't seem to matter who they bring in. They're not, get, they're not getting any better, at least with like, at least with Ottawa, they're bringing in the youth, they're utilizing the youth, they're losing and winning with their youth, and we've seen throughout the season that the, the team's getting better, they're, they're, a, they're a thorn on the side of a lot of uh, teams in the division right now.
2: The issue with Buffalo, though, is Buffalo thought they were on the cusp of making, becoming a playoff team for the past five years. And they just take, and, and, and what hurts Buffalo the most is not so much the veterans not scoring, is you got guys like Allmark, Lazar, and Daleen, who are just, and Eichel, who are just playing in a environment of shittiness. Yeah. And yeah. it's going to kill them. And that's very true. As soon that's as very their true. Contracts are over.
0: Yeah. Okay. So moving on from league news and notes, we're going to jump into Habs news. Um, so the Canadians came back after a week off and played Edmonton last night. And I'm going to start with you, Treg, on your thoughts on the game. We're going to keep the issues of McDavid and the hit out of it for now. So just uh, just the game itself. Uh,
2: I thought it was one of Montreal's best games of the year. It's definitely their best game under Dom de Um They controlled the entire game. Uh, they smothered uh, McDavid and dry settle. I mean, literally Dano played Guy Carboneau on Wayne Gretzky in 93 playoff style of uh, hockey, where he was no more than a stick length away from McDavid the entire time and just shadowed him like crazy. It was like 1990 early nineties hockey and uh, Price played well, but he didn't have to because he didn't really, I think he had six high danger shots. Um, the defense played good uh there was no rust for a team that didn't practice for an entire week didn't do anything for an entire week they looked rejuvenated and except for maybe a little blip in the second period there i thought montreal pretty much just dominated the whole entire game and uh yeah i uh yeah there's really not much this uh everyone thought cotton Yami's line was going to be trash and it ended up being the best line of the night uh cotton gets better every game dom du has really turned him into a different type of player uh and uh yeah i can see why guys like McDavid would get frustrated with guys like cotton but uh um no i like i say uh, i thought i think it was one of the best games of the year to be honest with you like uh 200 foot
0: games matt what about you
1: i agree with everything frank said um All right, moving on. (laughs) No, uh, for for me, I I, I agree. Under Ducharme was probably one of their best games. Uh, I really thought they were going to come out rusty. And yes, they were playing a tired team that played the night before, but I really still thought that Edmonton was going to have a hell of a lot more jump and that Montreal would be the team that would be behind the play and uh, started out early and Kakaniami got the goal scoring started Montreal actually uh, had an opposing challenge go their way, which was phenomenal. I was finding a way, I was trying to find a way for the refs to say that that was offside, but thankfully it wasn't. Um, and uh, as Drake said, the uh, the players that we've kind of been pointing at as being trade bait or being guys that are going to be put on waivers or guys that are going to be on the taxi squad, etc., in Byer and Leck and et cetera, they really played some of their best hockey of the year, and um, it's gonna it's gonna get interesting if uh, Bergevin wants to revamp this lineup to make room for uh, for some of these contracts coming in. Maybe bring up Caulfield, put Stall in, et cetera. Um, but about the game overall, I think they played fantastic, and as Craig said, um, Price didn't have to do much, but picked up his 49th ninth career shutout. I'm happy for him, happy for the team, and uh, any time that you can shut down Drysdale McDavid to, uh, I believe they only had two shots the whole game. I think that's I think that's pretty good, and uh, it shows that not only that the uh, the forwards weren't letting him in, the defense were doing their job, and generally when you uh, you get a game against um, McDavid Drysdale those kind of players. You think about the uh, your third pairing, and we didn't hear a damn thing about the third pairing yesterday. So that means that they were doing their job. They they they, they we didn't talk about them. Nobody talked about them. So they weren't a detriment to the team, and the team uh, picked up a
0: shutout.
2: Romanov had one of his best games.
0: Yeah, yeah, he was well, the most quiet, quietly in the third quietly right yeah and Mete was
2: strong Mete had a strong game it didn't have a strong shot but he had a strong game
0: yeah but he did get a shot on net so that's a bonus but it wasn't
2: very strong it was no but it was on net it was like going through mayonnaise
0: true but um yeah so (laughs) romanov was the most used defenseman in the third period not weber not petrie romanov so it showed that uh, that uh Ducharme was willing to go with the player he felt was playing the best at that very moment, which bodes well for the youth. It means that if they do well, they get more ice time. So that's good.
2: I, I also noticed too, he threw Deneau out with another center a lot. Suzuki and Deneau yeah. would take the draw together and Dano would leave the ice right after the draw. I saw that a lot last night too.
0: Well, with Suzuki, especially because his, his faceoff numbers last night were really poor. I think they're around fifteen to twenty percent, whereas uh was hovering around sixty five to eighty percent somewhere around there. Just off so the top I, of I my kinda
2: head. Yeah, I kinda like that. I kinda he had to out. Suzuki played the wing. As soon as the wolf draw was won or lost, depending on where it was, deno went right to the bench and then yeah. the in or Anderson came out. I don't know. You should
1: try implementing that strategy in overtime. Oh
2: shut sure. up That's what they were trying to do when it
1: anyway. <laughs>
0: But uh, we didn't need overtime, and Suzuki, other than the faceoffs, played an excellent hockey game. He, did. he um, did. That that spin around back pass to to Drouin, right on the tape. I mean, that surprised Drouin. He didn't expect that to get through, and he, he kind of fluttered his shot. But still, he Suzuki made that play, so that, that was impressive. Um, for me, the the uh, the game last night. You guys are right. The, the team played extremely well defensively and they had a game plan. When you have Seidel and McDavid, the game plan is obviously go after them. Uh, their coach made it easy for the Canadians to start the game because he had both players on the same line. So it was quite simple. Put Deneau's line out against McDavid. You cover their two best players. And they did really well throughout the entire night taking away the neutral zone from McDavid, that's where McDavid picks up his speed, so he can attack. And there was someone on him in the neutral zone at all times. So they were taking away skating lanes. They were taking away those passing lanes. They weren't giving him the space to, to wind up and pick up speed. So that was a that was a big big piece of their defensive scheme. Um, also, their def- the defense were able to get the pucks up to the forwards. And this is where we've talked about this in previous shows where when the team is doing well, the the wingers are down lower, giving that short five-foot pass to the defenseman. And they did it uh, consistently throughout the night. And we saw it. They pick up the puck, they turn up ice, and as soon as they got it, they would spread out a little bit. They had that little five-foot triangle. As soon as they got possession, the forwards would all spread out and counterattack. So that uh, that transition game was was on display. Um, offensively, I thought they played a, a strong game. They kept the pucks in their zone. Um, let's see, Deno's line. According to Money Puck, uh, the Tatar-Deno-Gallagher line is number one in the NHL at this point with a seventy point three percent expected goals for, and that's that's after playing against teams like. Edmonton and Toronto with these superstar centers. So that, that just shows the importance of having an experienced centerman. So overall, it was a good game.
2: And the Drew and Suzuki Anderson line is 11th in the league. In
0: yes. Uh, percentage. According to, well, actually after 200, 200 plus minutes, they're, I think they're They're eighth. They're eighth at fifty nine point eight percent expected goals for, which is, you know, if there's ten goals or if there's a hundred goals scored, they're they're expected to score fifty nine point eight percent of them.
2: And the percentage is a defensive, offensive, expected goals for against, and the percentage comes from the goals for against and the goals for, for yeah yeah goals against goals for. So yeah, I just learned that last week. So now I'm an analytic guru now. (laughs)
0: so yeah so it was a very strong game yes Edmonton did play two games they played the night before they were they were hotly contested games against the Toronto Maple Leafs but there's no excuses if Montreal plays back-to-back nights so there's no excuses for a team that has Connor McDavid and Dreisaitl playing back-to-backs
2: Edmonton didn't look like they were carrying anchors either they didn't look like they had a back to back night. They weren't super great, but they didn't look they couldn't just, they, they couldn't
1: look. put plays together. Yeah. And they were they just couldn't. they were they were smothered each, you know, anytime they came up the ice.
0: And uh there were, I was I was kind of wondering what kind of what Montreal Canadiens team would come out of that uh COVID protocol after a week off. Are they going to be super rusty or are they going to be flying? And within 18 seconds we knew, yeah, they're going to be flying cuz <laughs> Miami buried a goal 18 seconds in, and then we waited 12, 13 weeks until they figured out it wasn't offside. Uh, they, oh,
1: that was it, a really long first period.
0: It was because of the, <laughs> that one review. It was like um, a, a,
2: That review was like 10 minutes long.
0: Oh, it was super long for no reason. Um, so the league went out of their way to try and find a way to take away the goal, it seemed, but there was no conclusive evidence to say it was offside. It may have been. Uh, to be to be brutally honest, it was, it it was happen, really close. It was really, but close. it was close.
2: But the call on the ice was a goal, and they had right. nothing to say anything different. Unlike the Edmonton goal that got called back, which was clearly offside.
0: And as um, uh, Mike Johnson said, this should only take five seconds. That's no goal. Yeah. <laughs>
2: um. But uh, I had a train of thought, and I lost it. But anyway, uh, actually, yes, Montreal. If it weren't for posts and just. Small misses of the net or shots that just went over the net or under, they would have had eight or nine goals because Costco looked terrible, yeah. and uh, he was. Guessing. They had more post hit than Edmonton had shots in the first fifteen minutes of the first period, so it was kind of a all around it was good play. The power play I thought was really good, even though it didn't score. I thought it played real well, and I thought the PK was strong for the uh, two. And,
1: and Frolik didn't look out of place.
2: No, he looked pretty good. He, he looked okay. He didn't really get a lot of ice time, but he no, didn't. Which we didn't ho-
1: expect anyway.
2: I was hoping he'd score an empty net goal, but
0: uh, because he wears sixty-seven, that's correct. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. So he did. He did look out of place, and it seems <laughs> that with the line rushers and everything today, he's going to get another look. So uh, Toffoli's not ready to come back yet. Army not going to be back for a little bit. So we'll see him. Uh, we'll see him again against Ottawa.
0: Yeah. 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 On Thursday so uh yeah so the canadians because of this covid protocol they're going to be looking at about four games per week the rest of the way so it's 25 games in 42 nights that is a lot of hockey and this is where we're going to see the real value of the taxi squad it's not just going to be to hide cap anymore they're going to need guys like uh like for a league to step up <clears throat> they're going to need guys to go back and forth um With Armia out on the COVID protocol, as of today, he is still on the list, uh, on the COVID protocol list. Um, Yeah, yeah, we're going to be seeing a lot more of Froelich. We're going to be seeing a lot more of Lekkanen. He's going to be used a lot more, which, you know, is good, considering he's young, he's got good legs, and he fits. Uh, And I think it's time that we start doing what Treg wrote an article on, And that's manage Weber's minutes because he looked very good. His minutes were managed and it was six days off. He came back. He looked strong. Which just proves that he's just, he's getting tired out.
2: Oh, definitely. Uh, Weber, there's three ways you can do this. And I think they should do all three. And I say this in my article. A. He should be put down to the second pairing with uh, Petrie and I say Edmondson just because Petrie and Edmondson together, they're a uh, 56.3% uh, GFX percentage, uh, which is very good for a defensive pair. Uh, they're not as good as Kulak, Petrie is, but if you put them together and you put Kulak with Weber, I think that gives you a little bit better of a puck mover along with Weber. Weber doesn't have to worry about moving the puck so much, which is something that will help Weber out. You put him on the second pairing and it cuts his minutes down by about four, um, depending on power play PK time, um, and allows him to rest that way. And with four games in a week, let him play three and sit him out a game, right? It's, it's yeah. not, not going to hurt. Sit him out maybe a back-to-back. You know, if you win the first game, sit him out the second game, right? Uh, especially if you're playing, in a, and I'll bring this up and people are going to probably be surprised, if you're playing a fast team like Edmonton, Mete is a good guy to have in your lineup because he's a fast defenseman. He doesn't have to be strong. He doesn't have to be whatever, because McDavid and Dreissel aren't going to bowl over you to try to score a goal. They're not going to fight with you in front of the net to try to score a goal. They're just going to try to skate past you. Or
0: de- you and don't throw elbows behind the play into your face. Little things that, like that. That
2: that yeah.
0: Debatable. But anyway, no. <laughs> um, <laughs>
2: So and, and if that's the case, so if you've got a back to back and you're playing even against Ottawa, Mete, you know, take Weber out, put Mete in, you know, and move, you know, Romanoff with Kulak on the second line and Mete and uh Let I guess. You know, whoever yeah, Mete and Ulet, because you're taking out Weber. Or call some up
0: Leskinen perhaps.
2: Or, or Leskinen or Fleury or whoever you want to call up. Yep. Uh they play the third line. And uh that way, come the playoffs, you don't have to worry about him getting tired out through the playoffs because he, he's having his rest. On any two-game schedule, fine and dandy. Let him play, right? 82 games, it's stretched out. You're only having four or five back-to-back, not like 10 or 12. And uh, But in this schedule, especially now that it's 24, well, 23 games now and 41 nights, um, guys like him are going to need his rest. Allen's going to be a very important person in this this, this going down the stretch. Yep. Uh, and you got to do the same with Webb.
0: Absolutely. I mean, don't get me wrong. I like Weber. I like his game, but he is 35. He's going to be 36 very soon. He's got a lot of mileage. He's got over a thousand NHL games. So yeah, I agree. It's time that they, if they really want to extend his career and they want him to, uh, to be efficient in the playoffs and effective, you want him effective, especially if you want to win a couple of rounds. Yeah. Manage his minutes you can dock down his minutes to say around 20 you can give a few more minutes to a romanov you can give him a night off call up a flurry who provides that style of play you throw him on a third pair you you lean on petrie a little bit more on those nights but petrie's he's he's capable of doing it right now petrie's petrie is clearly having a career season such so far and he looks strong so why not?
2: He should be your number one go, goal, uh, not goalie, but number one defenseman. Or yes, top I agree. pairing
1: defenseman. So it, when he, he so definitely when, Sh- when comes back, who plays with who? In your opinion,
0: Shrot should not play with Weber. Okay, Chirot, If if it was me, I keep Petrie
2: and Edmondson together as a top pairing. Put Kulak with Weber, and Sherratt plays on the third line with Romanov.
1: Yes. It's going to be really interesting because Kulak's played really well with Petrie.
2: It is, right. and I, but I, I'm glad you brought that up. I'm going to bring up a point here. So when Petrie, oh. <laughs> and listen, I'm getting into the analytics, boys.
1: Jason you're going to be, prou- Jason Jason,
2: going to be proud. You're, you're going to be proud of me, buddy, because I'm, <laughs> I'm doing this analytic thing like crazy. So Money Puck has become my new favorite website, uh, if I can find what I'm doing here. Uh, Here we are, or puck money, I should say, money puck. Yeah, I had it right the first time. So you uh, (laughs) draftkings, draftkings. So if you go to the Canadians and uh, you do the lines and you do your minutes or whatever, so Romanak Kulak are fifty eight point three when they're together. Charot Weber's fifty six point nine and Evanson Petrie fifty six point three. Okay, so they're all pretty even. But now if you put Petrie with Kulak. They are at a 70.5, so the best, but everybody else drops, and they drop by quite a bit. So when you have uh, Edmondson with uh, Weber, which is what you have now, they're at a 52.3, you know, uh, I don't know where Mette is on this. You know, uh, Met Day, Kulak's 44.8, you know, Rona, Petrie, 37.5, yada, 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 yada. So, if you want an even balanced pairing where everyone's around 55 to 60, then that's the, you, you want Edmondson with Petrie and Kulak, I'm saying with Weber, although I don't, re- I don't think he's played with Weber let, yet this year. Um, and then Sherrod Romanoff. The third pairing, it doesn't really matter. They're, 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 they're only going to get 17, 18 minutes a game anyway, 15, even as low as 15. But if you just want one dominant D pairing, fine. Keep, keep Petri with Kulak because they're at 70%. So they're, they're quite good together. But then you're, you're kind of diminishing the other two pairs.
0: Yeah. That's my, and, and, that's
2: my uh, argument. Anyway,
0: And, and I can't, you can't really argue against the kulak Petri pairing. Uh, no. They're effective. Like you said, they're 70.5% uh, of expected goals for a percentage. Um, Romanov and Kulak are at 583 and they're in second place. I brought up Money Puck as well, and I'm looking at everything that they're doing above 70 minutes of, uh, of ice time as a pair. So that gives a little bit more of a, a sample size. Uh, the Sherratt-Weber pairing, yeah, it's 56.9% of expected goals for. However, they're a bit slower. So if you want to play that pairing, that's the kind of pairing you play against teams like Winnipeg, against Calgary, uh, Ottawa but not toronto not edmonton because their their offense is based on speed so that yeah. that's more of a, a strategy type thinking you know you're, you're thinking fourth dimensional chess here i, I agree with tregg on this the you want to keep kulak playing with weber because they bring what each other miss so you want weber playing with someone who can who can skate well, skate skate the puck out of trouble. Petrie, he does that, so he doesn't need another puck mover with him. So you can throw Edmondson on there. They look good together. They're at 56.3% of expected goals for. And Romanov, no matter who he's with, is a positive expected goals for percentage. So he can anchor a third pairing, no issues with anybody. And Sherratt would definitely be a massive upgrade on Mete, in many instances, not against speedy teams, but anybody else.
1: And Romanoff can play both sides.
0: Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, if you want to bring up a Flurry to play on that right side, he would be a good fit there because Flurry has the legs. He uh, he can actually carry the puck a little bit, makes a good first pass, very aggressive, and he's he's fairly mobile. So, I don't think you really lose out. He's more of a uh, even on all the aspects. And he's got a decent shot, unlike Mete.
2: Just to say, Kulak and Weber have played together 10 and a half minutes, and they're at 40%. But it's only 10 and a half minutes. Yeah. I mean, Ebenson uh, and Kulak are 70 minute, 70% at 12 minutes. So um, you're kind of... <laughs> yeah. Kulak, however, it's shown over time and time, over the past three seasons, no matter who he plays with, they usually have good numbers so i say put them with whoever. can't
0: hurt yeah yeah i'm I'm all for that um now moving on to something a little bit more painful the mcdavid cheap shot on Kanyemi. so Kanyemi was playing mcdavid pretty tight won a board battle, got the puck back to his defenseman, then started cut through the neutral zone. About five seconds after that play was done, McDavid hunts him down and throws his elbow into kanyemi's face, which clearly means kanyemi is going to get a 15-game suspension for bruising McDavid's elbow. So no argument for me. What do you you guys think here? Am I offside in thinking that that was a dirty play? Matt?
1: No, I think it was 100% a dirty play. Um, And if it would have been somebody else, then he would have been suspended. Um, I brought up a tweet here from Francois Gagnon. It says, can't wait to see the NHL show the same level of severity towards the star players on the fourth liners. If McDavid is on the other end of that elbow to the head, we can expect supplementary discipline. I 100% agree. It was uh, it was away from the play. He didn't have the puck, and he was just being you know he was being frustrated, and he was just he showed his frustration throughout the game. But you know you've got to you've got to level that frustration down. You can't uh, you can't take those kind of uh, measures and not and not be disciplined for it. And uh, you know five thousand dollar fine is a slap on the wrist. Somebody tweeted out that uh, with the money that he makes. With the money that he makes makes 12 and dollars against the cap. That would be the equivalent of make, someone making $50,000 would be a $20 fine. Right. I, so it's, you know, it, it, but that's, but that's the CBA though. That's the maximum allowed. So that's all they can do, but he's been suspended once before for a hit on Nick Letty. It was an elbow to the head. He missed two games. That's back in 2019. Huh? Um, Funny that. But nothing, nothing came of this, nothing came of it this time. Um, and I've got another. I got another uh, quick tweet here from our favorite, favorite morning talk show host,
2: uh.
1: Ben Mulrooney. No, it's not Ben Mulrooney. Um, even though he is better, our friend from Sportsnet, our former friend from Sportsnet, Sid Cicero, still thinks that he's relevant in in hockey at, at whatever point. He said Connor McDavid had to deal with officials not protecting him for years. If he wants to throw an elbow now and again, I'm fine with it. So
0: that's what? the dumbest freaking yeah, uh, thing.
1: Exactly, but the thing is, people eat that shit up. It's clickbait. It sucked me in. I fucking brought it up on the show. Yeah. Oh yeah.
0: Let, let's let's live with a double standard. I, yeah, because that's exactly how. But this, the, but
1: this is but this the thing. Say if that would have been Cassian hitting Kakaniami. And even if he wasn't injured, which he wasn't, he was knocked down, he got back up and he kept playing the rest of the game. We're thinking that Cassian, if he would have thrown that hit, probably would have got a game suspension. Maybe. More than likely, right? It's I don't I don't yeah, you've gotta you've gotta make it fair across the league. And we've seen uh we've seen uh Hits very similar to that. Be suspended this season, but you know if, if you've got if you've got you know if you've got star power, you're you can pretty much do whatever the fuck you want.
2: So since Exerio, who's the damian Cox or Steve of the morning Simmons television of, circuit? the morning television circuit, he's just saying shit to be relevant, like yeah. just so people will click on it and go, "Oh, you asshole!" That it. he's just sitting back, looking at saying, "Look at all the attention I'm getting." That's made. right whatever who cares what Sid has to say he hasn't had a good take in about 30 years so my, well you made up a good point because I didn't know that so what you're telling me is McDavid's a repeat offender and all he did would get was the maximum fine now if that was a Tom Wilson or Zach Cassian who was a repeat offender they would have got three to four games um I don't believe it was a suspendable hit personally no. I don't I, I believe it was a penalty Four minutes, maybe is probably what I think you should have got. a um, Double minor, and sure, I'm okay with the fine. I I, I don't mind. him getting fined. You can't argue about the fine at five thousand because that you're right. The CBA, the CBA right? Pass limit. Personally, I think it should be based a percentage of whatever you make. Um, so if you make twelve and a half million, it should be like whatever percentage of twelve and a half million is what you got to pay is the max. Lose a game's right. pay whatever it doesn't matter that way guys who are only making seven they they're not going to get hit as hard as say Connor mcdavid and then
1: if you land on free parking you get the pot
2: <laughs> that's right <laughs>
1: <laughs> but uh
2: i was actually surprised he got anything i i actually tweeted last night during the game with a with a little gif of a guy laughing because i didn't think he'd uh, actually get anything uh, but to go back to what Sid Sicaria, that is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Because McDavid is protected like crazy. Anytime someone has a questionable hit on McDavid on the upper body, it's a penalty, or it's a you know same thing with Crosby or any of the star players. The star players are protected not so much as they were maybe in the '90s with uh, Gretzky and Le- well Lemieux wasn't that protected. He did his career because people were hacking and slashing at him the whole entire fucking game. But. Um, I don't know. Anyway, I don't want to talk about him anymore. Cause he's a complete well, moron.
0: what's but. So you, it was a headshot. That's my, headshot. that's yes. my issue. I don't care if it was a star doing it to another player. I don't care if it's a, you know, a fourth liner doing it to a star. <clears throat> it should be equal across the board. Unlike Sid Sixero. Yeah. I give a shit about all hockey players, yeah. not just the ones that go on a highlight reel once in a while. So, What's to stop the Canadians in the next game to just call up, you know, a tough guy like Braddock, you know, bring up Baddock, say, hey, your job in this shift, throw an elbow to McDavid's head, take a fine, take take a suspension. We'll cover you. Don't worry about it. Then what? You want to stop headshots. The NHL says they want to stop headshots. You know how to stop them? You give a five minute major penalty. You don't need to give a suspension. It's a few bucks out of some guy's pocket. They'll all cover him off. But you give a five minute power play to the other team, that's going to make a difference because now you're giving the other team a chance to score three goals, two goals, three goals, and bury your team in a game. You're going to lose the game. And that's what matters to these guys. Not a few bucks. Together, they form the Podcast Super Friends, an alliance of podcast masterminds sharing best practices, insights, and discussions to help make you a better podcaster. Follow or subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or at soundoff.network. I'm Matt Cundall, host of the Sound Off Podcast, the show about podcast and broadcast.